You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, good morning, Banner Church. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you doing this morning? Ready? I know it's not a million degrees, so we can be excited. Amen. Yes, bless the rains down in Arizona. Uh, it's been amazing, been an awesome, uh, awesome week. We've only had four to five branches fall and, you know, one to two trees knocked over. So we're, we're a net win, I think, uh, uh, but pretty crazy. Excited to share with you today. You know, we have finished our series called Praise the Lord, and we're going to start next week our series on Elijah, but this week I thought I would just share something special to you that's really near and dear on my heart that really informed the way that I understood our relationship to the Father, and I believe it's going to encourage your heart today. Um, but something that I realized that I was talking to Katie that I've not shared a lot of is over the past year and a half as we've had our son, uh, we during COVID thought it would be a good idea to adopt a child because we didn't have anything else going on. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, we've been on this adoption journey, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of adoption, and so I thought I would just share a little bit about our journey adopting our son Henry. Is that okay? That's good. Awesome. I just realized right now I have too many things in my pocket. Katie, can I, can I give this to you? It's got like a knife and this wallet thing. It's like, it's all over. Um, thank you. I'm just going to be standing here the whole time just feeling that knife in my pocket. Where are my fidgeters at? You know what I'm talking about. Thank you. Thank you, Madison. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I want to share a little bit. Yeah, Katie and I, uh, uh, we adopted our son, Henry, and he is amazing. He's an incredible little boy. If you've served in kids, you've seen him. He is uh, short, thick, and handsome, um, and uh, just just amazing. Um, you know, you have tall, dark, and handsome, and we have, like, short, thick, dark, and handsome. Uh, it's a little different, but it's just awesome. Uh, but Katie and I, we've, we'd actually had wanted to adopt for a long time. And so our journey, I guess, if I'm going to talk about our adoption journey, began a long, long, long time ago. And we had talked when uh, we were, we, after we had had Lucy, uh, we had talked, oh, maybe this is the time, maybe this is the time we're going to, how awesome is that? Can you guys hear our kids? If you're online, you can't hear it. But uh, this is awesome. This is because I don't, if you don't if you don't go to kids, you won't know this. But we just moved our uh, twos and threes, threes and fours back to this class because we did have the nursery in this class. But then we moved the nursery back to here because y'all keep having babies. And uh, and uh, then we're building actually a mother's lounge in this area back here that's going to be up in just a couple weeks. So we're like always moving something. Uh, Delaney showed me our numbers. Last year, we averaged 20 kids on a Sunday. Now we average 42. So we need more space. So you'll hear more about that in the fall. Uh, but things are happening here. Anyways, adoption journey. Uh, Katie and I had uh, talked about it for a long time, and then we moved here with our daughter. And uh, we're like, no, we're good. We don't, I don't know if you've moved with a child, but moving with a child will make you realize you don't want another child. Uh, <laughs> and then after a while, you do again, and you know. Uh, but we had really prayed about it, and so we felt the call, and really my, my wife was leading the way on, on this, of, of exploring the options, and we were very close with an organization called OCJ Kids, and we uh, love Siobhan, which is one of the uh, people there, and she came and shared, and we had been really praying about it, and she said, she said to us very, um, in the way that only missionaries can, I think, and people that work especially in the industry with children, was like, don't count the cost for you 
if you go, count the cost for them if you don't. And I was like, all right, we're doing it. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good pitch. And uh, so we went to the informational meeting and we, just to get some info. And uh, I want to give you some of the info I got. And then I updated it a little bit because this is now a couple years later. So here's, some, here's the info. At any one time in the United States, there are 442,000 kids in foster care. 56% have the goal of reunification. 49% of that 442,000 achieve the goal of unification. Reunification is when they get returned back to their birth family, which is the goal of foster. We want kids to be with their birth family. We need great foster parents that would create a space to empower parents and encourage them to take the steps that are necessary to get their kids back. Amen? Amen. 49% will achieve the goal of reuniting. That means 221,000 kids do not of that 442. 128,000 are adopted annually, which is technically, I looked this up, down 15% from 10 years ago. Currently, there are, and I just, just read this number the other day, 107,918 children waiting to be adopted. As of April 2021, there are 13,400 children in Arizona foster care of different, uh, you know, statuses and stages. As of December 31st, 2020, there are 1,756 children in Arizona group homes, meaning multiple foster kids in, in one home. So uh, when they presented us all the info, I, I, I'm motivated by need, and I'm motivated by the call, and honestly, I just couldn't, I can't uh, adopt 442,000 children, but I could do one. Some people can do three. Some people can do four. Some people can do none. They can just support. Amen to whatever you can do for the kingdom, right? And so we're like, well, we can do this for the kingdom. God is calling us, so we have to do it. We have to go, right? We have to step out. It's like, you know, Chandler Kelly being called to Bangkok. I couldn't go to Bangkok, but I can support. But some people are called, and we were called. And some of you might be called uh, in your life to do it, and you need to hear someone say you need to take that step. So here I am today telling you, you need to take that step. Totally unrelated to my message, totally not connected. There are at any point 442,000 children who need someone in their life to speak in even for a brief season. People say, it would be so hard for me to give them up. Good. Parenting's not about you. It's about a child in their life. Anyways, unrelated. Uh, but we were hooked. We're like, we're doing it. We're making it happen. And so we did the classes. Uh, they give you uh, six weeks of classes, if I'm going to be honest. I did six weeks of classes. I, I don't know if it's enough, <laughs> but they think it's enough. And so they send you to six weeks of classes. And uh, you do like the CPR training, you know, do all that stuff. You read the books, right? I tried, you know, we tried to read the books about the, the children and trauma and ages. And like I, like I would have have any idea what I was actually stepping into. I'm an only child. I had one child, and I was like, all right, well, here comes the hurricane. But uh, the hardest part after we got certified, after we went through all that, was just waiting. It was the waiting. That was the hardest part. And it wasn't like an insane amount of time, but man, we were so excited, right? It's like when you're, when you're pregnant, and it's like, but now you have to wait. I'm talking about a girl. <laughs> you gotta wait. The waiting's the hardest. 
Uh, and so we just, we waited. And I remember uh, being in this spot, and it was difficult to not get discouraged, even though it wasn't a ton of time. It just felt like we had some ups and downs in our process. And everyone told us, be, go with the flow, be patient, wait. And I was like, yeah, I'm patient. I can do that. But can I tell you, I'm not patient at all. And so I really struggled, and I, I would ask God, like, God, I feel like you've called us to do this. Like, where is our kid? Like, right? Are we not being noble in our desire for a kid? And, and, and you know, things would come up, or things would happen, and we would wait, and, um, you know, we, we were just in that process of waiting. And we were actually looking for a little girl around Lucy's age, around five or six, and, um, our licensing agent came to us and said, hey, there's actually a little boy available named Alfredo. And uh, he was, I think he was eight or younger. Was he younger? He was three. Well, I'm forgetting huge chunks of time. Thanks, COVID. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's three. And Katie's like, well, you know, we really want a little girl. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. So how, how, tell me about Alfredo, right? Uh, and in that moment, I realized, like, man, I really want a son, I've never, I've had a daughter, I love my daughter, but like it'd be cool to have a boy and a girl, but I had really gone along with the plan of girl, right? And so now I had to like figure out how to really carefully um, like kind of softball it, float the idea and see, and then if it was good, continue. Uh, husbands, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like wouldn't it be interesting? I mean, just totally hypothetically, if we like, I mean, if we had a boat right now, we could be, I mean, I'm not saying we should get one, but if we had one, and then if she's like, oh, a boat would be, you know, yeah, you know, I've been looking at some things on the internet here. <laughs> Here's 25 tabs. In fact, a Gary down at the Sea-Doo store has a deposit for us, um, and he's ready for you whenever you're, whenever you're ready. If you feel like I would just happen to be by surprise the other day, and I put a deposit down on a boat, and, uh, you know, that's how, that's how we work. Um, I have not put a deposit down on a boat. <laughs> My wife's looking at me like, is this your subtle way of telling me? Um, <laughs> but I was like, man, I, I want to be open to this. And so we just told the licensing agent, because you work with a licensing agent, we work with Christian Family Care and a uh, great organization. There's lots of great organizations in Arizona, but uh, we, we worked with them, and uh, we told them, like, we will take any child. Because I felt like God was saying, you just need to be open to whoever I bring into your life. And I was like, okay. Like, any child, any age, like, we're just kind of like, who— who knows? And so then we waited, and uh, it was during that 21 days of prayer and fasting, we were really praying about, God, what is your future for us? And we were kind of thinking, like, do we need to go back, and, uh, and maybe, or maybe we need, to, we need to foster? Maybe, you know, like, if, you're ever, you're, if you've waited too long, you're trying to guess if you misheard God. You know what I'm talking about? Like, did I mishear you? You said foster, I heard adopt, and I just, I missed it. Uh, and so we, we were like, man, I wonder what we should do. And so we do prayer, 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of every year. And so we prayed and fasted. And during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, if I'm remembering this wrong, you can tell me after service, okay? Um, but you were out of town, so I couldn't ask you. Um, but during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, we got this call from our licensing agent saying, hey, there's a boy available. His name's Andy. And uh, we're wondering if you'd be interested. And I was like immediately like, yes. 100%, like, we'll go get them right now. And they were like, well, no, we have to come to your house, and uh, you can look at the file, and then we'll submit uh, your file to the foster family and to the caseworker, and if they 
pick you, then you can go forward. We're like, okay, tell us what to do. They're like, what you need to do is you need to make a photo album. We're like, what? Like, like I'm 34 years old. I haven't printed a, f I don't, I don't have print photos, right? I haven't, had, I haven't had a print photo since 2004. I haven't had a camera that does print photos since 99, right? Like, everything's on my phone, and I just pray to God that phone doesn't break so I don't lose precious childhood memories, right? That is the world we live in now. So we had to go to, like, a Walgreens and from our phone try to print photos in, like, two hours so we could hastily make this photo album of our family. It's just like, all oh, these, okay, dog, 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 boat I want, dog, 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 right? You know, it's like, uh, we had to find all these photos and make this, and so we made our album, and uh, we met together with our caseworker, and she said, okay, here's, uh, here is the, the kid, and his name is Henry. His birth name is actually Andy, uh, but the family, since he came from the hospital with no name, he was, he was named Baby Boy Covarubius, when he came from the hospital, he, they gave him the name Henry, and now that was the moment that I knew that he was going to be our son because when Katie and I were uh, way back when we were first ha having a child, we had picked the name Henry for our future child. And it was really near and dear to us, and it was a family name, and I was like, we're committed to Henry. And so when I heard them say, yeah, his name is Henry, I was like, oh, man, this is happening. I didn't say that out loud because I don't want to freak anybody out, but I was like, this is our child, right? <laughs> but, you know. Uh, but we prayed. We're like, God, would this be the child? And so they came, and they showed us two photos. These are the very first two photos that we got to see of them. You can throw them up there right now if they're up there, Christian. Here he is. So this is, this is at the time Andy or Henry. We didn't know what they could be. And if you're asking the question, yes, that is a frozen blueberry pancake in his hand. Uh, he, he loved pancakes, and he would take them and, like, hide them and then go find them later. They were frozen. And then as they would thaw, he would have his meal prepared for himself, and he would go find them. Um, and this is the, the, the amazing foster family's house, and they're remodeling because um, they're super cool. But these are the first two photos, and when I saw the pictures, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is happening. Uh, we, are, we are about this kid. But then what we had to do is we had to wait. We had to hope that they picked us. That's a crazy, crazy moment to just wait and be like dozens of other families are putting their info in and like I know us and we're pretty cool but I don't know there's got to be better parents out there <laughs> there's somebody out there who's just like got a Pinterest board and their scrapbook thing like folds open to tell the story the kind of treats that they put out on the ground or not on the see that shows what kind of parent I am that I put treats on the ground <laughs> that's the kind of dad I am if you he didn't, the first time I met him, he fed me dirt. Um, I said, that's who we are. Um, but we were nervous, so we just, we just prayed. We were in, the, in that time of prayer and fasting, and we just prayed and believed. And uh, we get a call from the agent, and they're like, hey, uh, they've picked you. You guys can come meet with the caseworker and, uh, and do like an interview or whatever it was, right? Do like an interview with the foster family, and they can make sure you guys are like, cool. I'm like, Yes, and I hang up the phone and immediately start crying, right? I'm just so pumped because I've been praying for days like, God, like on my knees, like, God, let them pick us. Let them choose us. Like, let the fact that we're a pastor be a good thing and not a bad thing to them, right? Let, let, let them see, like, how loved this kid's going to be. And 
So we go and we got to meet the family. Uh, we were all in the lobby and I saw these really, this really cool couple sitting and I was like, man, I hope that's the Foster family. They look really cool. And uh, it was, and we got to meet them. And uh, they said, okay, here's all the photos of Henry. Here's all about him. What do you guys think? What questions do you have? And my question was just like, when can we go pick him up, right? They didn't tell me that's not how that works. Like you just don't get him. You don't pick him out at like a store. He's not like on layaway, right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, let's meet him. Like, well, you have to wait three days to say yes. Like, I can say yes now. Like, no, you have to wait. There's like a cooling off period. I'm like, oh, okay. So just like set an alarm. Text yes in three days, right? It's like already a yes. And so we got to go meet him. And uh, I have a picture of the first time we met him, and, and uh, he fed me dirt. We got to go over to the foster family's house. I potentially have a picture of the first time we met him. This is our Banner Church logo. Oh, there it is. <laughs> this is the first time we met him. And uh, he's just this awesome, chunky boy. And uh, got to go over and see him and meet him and, you know, let him run around and play at the Foster family's house. And, uh, man, he was just like everything I dreamed that he would be. All of that waiting and all of that hoping and all that preparation, it was just in. Sane. And what's crazy when you see him in this photo is Henry was actually born 10 weeks early. Henry was two and a half pounds when he was born. Two and a half pounds. That is a tiny, tiny baby. But Henry was blessed with an amazing foster family. If you're like, why, do, you know, it'd be hard to foster. Like, thank the Lord for amazing foster families, amen? Because um, an amazing foster family took this kid and, like, literally with love and care, grew him from the hospital to when we met him into this, like, beautiful, chonky, handsome man. I have a photo of that, too. There he is. That's chunky baby Henry. When he was a, when he was really little, he was a 2.5, and he looked so thin. And then he looked like kind of like that logo, but a little different. Go and throw that back up one more time. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I'm making you work for it today, Christian. I love you. <laughs> uh, just so thick and cute and smiley, and he's always been a giggler, and he's always been fun. And so then uh, we got to meet him a second time. The second time, we got to take Lucy and meet him, right? Because uh, we want Lucy to like him. She's going to have to live with him, and she's 16, so for at least 12 more years, right? So they got to get along. So we took Lucy to meet uh, him, and they had a blast. The third meeting, we got to take him to a park, and uh, this is all the third day. So it's day one, day two, day three. So day four, they say, hey, now he can come spend the night at your house so he can get used to your house. I said, okay. So he came on a Saturday night, and he spent the night. I think he came to church on Sunday. Came to church, got to meet a bunch of people, and, uh, and then we just hung out, and then the foster parents came over, and they said, hey, what about him just coming to live with you forever tomorrow? And like, again, I don't know the system, so I'm just like, yeah, whatever works. So Monday, Monday morning, Henry came to live with us, and Tuesday, there was this great moment where the, uh, the, the NBA said, we're no longer playing basketball because of COVID, and then the earth shut down. You guys remember that day? 
I remember that day because it was the day after I took a child I'd met three times into my home to live with me forever. <laughs> and I distinctly remember this day because I was like, oh, okay, here we are. And so Henry came, and he lived with us, and he was in our house. And then, like, weeks later, the caseworker's like, where is he? I'm like, oh, he lives with us now. They're like, really? I'm like, yep, he lives in our home. They're like, really? Like, yeah, for, like, a month and a half. <laughs> um, they have, like, 40 kids they have to take care of. And can you imagine being a caseworker during COVID? Impossible. Impossible. But he lived with us, and uh, I was trying to do a lot of things. I was trying to pastor a church. And uh, be a parent to, to Lucy and a husband. And actually, I think, I don't I wasn't trying to finish my master's yet, but this is all in that same season. And uh, it was interesting trying to pastor a church during a pandemic and work with people and film. And if you're on our team, remember like recording those services and going out to the streets and trying to meet need and get people toilet paper and pay rents and help people. And then I would go home and I'd have this kid who had never been in this home really and was. Uh, it was a lot. It was scary, and so he would cry, and so we'd rock him to sleep, and then he'd wake up in the middle of the night, and we'd rock him to sleep, and then he'd wake up in the middle of the night, and he'd ro we'd rock him to sleep again. And that's what we did for literally two months of the pandemic. I'd have people be like, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I feel that connected to you, Pastor. I'm like, I don't feel connected to the earth. I'm making this kid survive. Nothing's more important to me than this child, right? And that's what we would do for months. We would just uh, sit in that space. And what's amazing is even in those hard moments, I would pray over him and his little life, and I would hold him as he falls asleep and rock him. And I would just pray for his future, and I would thank God for him even when he was screaming or upset or having a tough time. It's a lot of change for a year and a half. And I would hold him, and I would pray over his life, and I would thank God. I'd say, thank you, God. I, I want to get frustrated right now because I'm so tired, and people are, like, mad at me for what kind of services we hold and how many people I allow in the building, but they don't see me here at 1 o'clock in the morning rocking this kid to sleep, right? They don't see that. But I would just believe for his life and pray over him and be thankful for God for him. And I still remember the first time, because Lucy's always called me Papa. And so the first time he ever called me Papa, I still remember that moment, like unprompted. Not like, say Papa. Like, he said, he called me it. He fell down, and he was hurt, and he cried for me. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, this is my kid. I still remember the first time he told Katie unprompted, I love you, Mama. And I was like, oh, that's it, good. <laughs> you know, like, it's just tears, you know. It's like, it's so powerful and amazing. And on uh, October 1st, 2020, so six months basically after we got him, uh, he legally became our son. We did our adoption. Yeah. Our adoption was over Zoom because everything was over Zoom October 1st, 2020. Um, and uh, we got to do it over Zoom and have everybody join in and, and watch on Zoom. And he's, look how handsome he is, right? Look at that family. So handsome, so fun, so beautiful. And uh, God just brought us on really this amazing, amazing journey of adoption. I'll have to say adoption is a journey. Can we give it up for, for Christian for following with all those slides and pictures? Good job, Christian. Love you, man. But adoption is a journey. And you know, something that I learned as we walk through the journey of adoption is not only, like, just people in general don't understand adoption. And I say that because I didn't understand. 
right? When I say people, I mean me. Like, I didn't understand really fully adoption until I walked through it. And what I've noticed as I've been learning about adoption and adopting Henry is because we don't really understand earthly adoption and the idea of adoption and the idea of being brought into a family and the idea of someone becoming deeply, innately ingrained and a son or a daughter, we sometimes also struggle to understand our adoption as children of God. Did you know each of us have been adopted as children of God? Adoption isn't charity. It's the heart of God. And I learned that people, they, they don't understand adoption, so they would say things like, it's just too expensive. I'm like, no, it's free. In fact, actually, the state is paying me to do it. They'd be like, oh, really? I'm like, yes. They would say things like, well, you just don't know uh, what you'll get, right? Like, what if they have issues in the future? I'm like, what if your birth children have issues in the future? What if your birth children have struggles with addiction? What if you birth a child and it has autism? What if you birth a child and it has Down syndrome? What are you going to do? It's like, well, it came out of you, so it's worth more love than the one that came out of somebody else. Because what if it has issues? I'm like, you have issues, and I put up with you. <laughs> I have issues. Like, well, what if they have trauma? I have trauma, right? <laughs> we all have trauma. Like, raise your hand if you don't have trauma. Yeah, God bless you. <laughs> right? We all have trauma, right? Does that disqualify us from love? No. No, it doesn't. People would say, well, uh, does that mean you guys don't want any kids of your own? And before you, like, get angry at that statement— <laughs> Uh, I want to say, I, that statement I think actually really helped me when people would say that. Well, don't you want any kids of your own? Because it made me realize that there's something spiritual we're also missing. And that because I'm having this physical experience, I, I think I could encourage you spiritually for a moment this morning. Because I've experienced it in a physical sense, I, I could maybe just speak in a supernatural and a spiritual way to your life that I think would bless you if, if we could get a hold of it. Because I began to ask that question, kids of my own, and we know what they're asking, right? Like, are you going to birth any more children? But I began to think, Henry is my own. He is my son. We look different, but he is 100% my son. There is nothing on this earth that could convince me that this is not my kid. Right, I have one more photo to show you. I, I love this kid with every fiber of my being, every part of who I am, every piece of who I am. When he came into our family, he became my son. He became mine. He's my child. He's my son. Now, there's a lot of people who are part of his family. Praise God for that. He's my son. When he came into my family, he got all of the love and relationship that Lucy also has access to. And you know what? My goal, just like for Lucy, our birth daughter, is to leave a legacy of Christ-likeness for him to follow, for him to inherit just like Lucy. When he came into my family, he got all of those things. He is fully and completely my child. But hear me today, you are fully and completely a child of God in the same way. 
no matter who your birth parents were, no matter what your background was, no matter your nation, your tribe, or your tongue, no matter your social status, every person who receives the hope and healing of Jesus Christ is adopted into God's family as his child. You receive the spirit of adoption because you're his child. But it can, it can be hard to get our minds around a little bit. So I'm gonna, I want to take that phrase, spirit of adoption, really briefly explain spirit, really briefly explain adoption. You still with me? Okay. I want to jump to Romans chapter 8. If you brought your Bibles, jump to Romans chapter 8. If not, our awesome slides team will have it online, uh, on the screen for you. I want to start by explaining the spirit. And Romans 8 is really beautiful. It's also a little complicated. And so I want to explain it a little bit because it's a really, really cool. Romans, probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. But Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this. It says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who, those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. It says, For the law of the Spirit, I'll explain, of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin. Keep those two in mind as we read. The law of the Spirit, the law of sin. From the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, pause there. Let me explain. We were created to live in relationship with God. That was what our whole worship series was about. You were created to live in a relationship with God. But sin destroyed that union. Everyone with me? And God said, I'm going to restore that relationship. Way, way, way back. Old Testament. The pages, you know, of the Bible you might not go to all the time. Way, way, way back. Old Testament. Says to Abraham, through you, I'm going to bring a, a line, a people of God. And through this people of God will come salvation for the earth, right? It's going to come a Messiah. And so this is the start of the people of Israel, the people of God. And so when God saves his people out of Egypt and brings them to the promised land, as he's bringing them to the promised land, he gives them the law. Someone say the law. The law. He gives them the law. Why? Because he's a perfect God and they want to walk in obedience to him. But guess what they are? They're us. What are we? We're sinful people. Or at least I am. <laughs> We're sinful people. And so when verse 3 says the law was weakened by the flesh, it's not saying the law was imperfect. It's saying people are imperfect. So guess what imperfect people can't do? Be perfect. So they couldn't perfectly follow the law. Basically, they couldn't earn salvation through works. They couldn't work their way into righteousness, into heaven. And so what would happen is when people would fall short, they would sacrifice much in the same way they sacrificed in Egypt. In Egypt, they sacrificed a lamb, and they put the blood above the door as a symbol of a life for a life, a sacrifice that was paid, blood that was shed for a life, so that death, death would, and judgment would pass over them. And so at the temple on the altar, they would sacrifice a lamb as a symbolic shedding of blood for their sins and their life. But verse 3 says that it was fulfilled. What was imperfect because of the flesh was fulfilled through Christ. 
Jesus came in our sinful flesh. Not that he was sinful, but he had skin like you and I. He lived. He walked. He went to the bathroom, right? He had friends. He was a human. He was fully man, fully God. And it says that he was the righteous requirement for us. Listen, Jesus didn't need to make sacrifices. He was the sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Really famous phrase is, sin is when we put ourselves in God's place. Salvation is when God put himself in our place. And so the scripture says in verse 4, we're no longer dead in the flesh, but alive in the Holy Spirit. It's by the Spirit that we're alive. By the flesh we're committed to sin and the lusts of the flesh, the earthly desires that separates us from God. If we say to God, no, I don't want you to be Lord of my life. I don't want your salvation. Then guess what? He will not force us to have his salvation, his love. And so there's a separation but the Spirit is when we submit our hearts and we say, God, you're on the throne of my life. You give me life. You give me hope and healing. And Scripture says in that moment, that brings peace and life. That's the Spirit and the flesh. Are you still with me? The Spirit and the flesh. The Spirit of God. God himself. Okay, let's jump down to verse 9. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Look at that capital S, the Spirit, the Spirit of God. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I know he said the same thing like four different ways, so let me explain, because he's like looping. You get, Paul does this in a really cool way that I could never do, but sometimes I get lost. Anyone else? Okay, good. Good, good, good. So here's what he's saying. Death comes as a consequence of sin. Life is the reward of justification. Death is the absence of God. Life is right standing before him. God resurrected Jesus. It's the same spirit of God who invites us into that resurrection to give us life. And though our bodies, our mortal bodies die, even now our spirit has received life and eternal life by the spirit of God, not by our works, not by our ways, not by who we are, not by our worthiness, by the spirit of God. And he says the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave is at work in your life, and it secures who you are in the resurrection. Jesus invites every person, every person here, everybody watching online, Jesus invites every person to receive new life in his resurrection freedom from all sin and shame, to be born again. It's not an addition to our life. It's a rebirth. It's a spiritual birth to be born again. And every person who receives that resurrection, who walks in that, receives life from the very same Spirit of God that rose Christ from the dead. That life is in you. Through Him, the Spirit of God, you are adopted into God's family. And this sets up everything he wants to say about adoption. Look at verse 12. It says, So then, brothers, 
We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons or daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, look at this, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. This is one of my favorite pieces of scripture right here because it answers like the biggest questions of life right here. When we adopted Henry, everything changed for him, right? A new name, identity, family, future. It's the same for us. Through adoption, we have received the most incredible blessing in the world. I broke it down into three things. You ready? Most incredible blessing in the world. Number one, identity. Identity. Through the adoption of God, we have received a new restored identity as children of God. In a nation, in a time of identity crisis, it is because we have not lost our identity as human beings or as a nation or as a city, as a state. We have lost our identity as children of God. And if you don't have anything, it doesn't matter how big of a structure you build, that is the bedrock of identity. You can build the best national identity. You can build the best sports identity. You can build the best family identity. You can have crests. You can have logos. You can have tattoos. Nobody cares. It's built on sand. The bedrock is the identity of Jesus Christ. You receive that through the adoption of the Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. At the time in Roman adoption, uh, when someone was adopted, they became a full legal son or daughter. Now, this is important because it's not an era of large, sweeping human rights. <laughs> Just in general. Uh, until very recently, there's not been broad-scale human rights. In Rome, not so much, unless you had a certain status. But when you were adopted as a Roman citizen, you became a full and complete son. Ancient Israel was called the children of God, and God was called their father. If you read the Old Testament, it talks about Father God. They were the children. God was the father. What showed the world that they were his children? God's presence. Why did he have the pillar of fire and the cloud? Why the Ark of the Covenant? Not only to show Israel, but to show the world, these are my children. I have adopted them. They belong to me. God the Father's presence was with them. And crucially, they were nothing without that identity. And when they got away from the presence, they lost their identity. Because their identity came to the presence of God. But what's amazing for us, Paul tells us, we have the presence of God with us. We are now the temple of God. The Spirit dwells with us. It's the defining mark of us as children of God. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? See, to be a child of God is no longer a national identity. It's a spiritual identity. 
See, so often the world tries to claim or lay claim to our identity as people. Do any of these uh, uh, identifiers or names upon your life sound familiar? Let me give you a couple. Broken, anxious, you're a mess, you have a bad family, you come from a bad family, you're a failure, you're only as good as your bank account, you're unwanted, you're not enough. But what's amazing is God comes in and he says, no, you have a greater identity than the identifiers the world has tried to put on you because you are my son and my daughter. Are you with me? Do you hear me this morning? That that is your identity. The Holy Spirit is like a down payment on your eternity. It secures your identity in Jesus Christ forever. Henry was adopted. Henry is my son. It is his identity. Nothing can take that away. Hear me. When you are adopted as a son, nothing can take that away. For my son, nothing can take that away. No one's outside opinion can change if he's my son or not. No mistake he makes can lose his position as my son. No failure can forfeit that he's my son. No mess can wipe away that he's my son. That's how God sees you too. Nothing he does is going to make him more my son. No, no amount of money he earns, no, no matter how much he serves at church, no matter what he does, no matter how smart he is, no matter what he does or does not do, no matter what college or non-college or school, no matter what grades he gets, is going to make him more my son. He is my son. It is the same for you. No matter what you did for your kids this month, no matter how good of a mom you felt because you saw people doing these crazy Pinterest crafts, but you're just barely holding it together, just trying to make sure they don't kill each other. It doesn't make you more or less of a son or daughter of God. You are the same no matter what. You are the same. That's why he sent Jesus, not to convince you to try some random religion, but to restore the relationship you were created to have with him for eternity. Romans 8 says, you did not, 8, 15. If you're still with me, go to verse 15. It said, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Huge. You have not received a spirit of fear. 1 John 4 tells us there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. God has forgiven. God has taken our sin and shame. God has given the Holy Spirit as a security of our salvation. And so we don't shrink back. Instead, we cry, Holy Abba, Father. Because not only do we get identity, we get something else. Ready? Relationship. Somebody say relationship. Relationship. We didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Through Christ, we are sons. We have relationship with a loving Father. Not like any earthly relationship, even at the best earthly Father, something even greater. We have the relationship of a loving Father. In the ancient Near East, the idea of having a loving, intimate relationship with a deity as your father uh, was incredibly uncommon, yet to really find it, to be honest, <laughs> all my searching. And yet the spirit of adoption says we don't address God as slaves, we address him as children would. In fact, that term Abba Father is an Aramaic word 
in a more intimate address for a father. People say it's like saying daddy, like a kid would say daddy. It's not really. It's even deeper and more important than that. It's when Jesus is in the garden. He's about to be crucified. And he's crying out to God, Jesus, who has the most intimate relationship with the Father. He calls him Abba, Father. It is the most desperate, connected, loving attachment to Father God that can be had. And so when Paul tells us, you can say Abba, you know what he's saying? You can address God like Jesus did. That's really bold. <laughs> We're not God, but that's a bold thing to say. We have access to God. You know, at Banner, our core one of our core values is accessible because we believe that God is a loving Father who gives access to His children. You don't have to earn His love. You are His child. I still remember, like I said, the first time Henry got hurt. And he didn't, he didn't, like, wait to let me know. He didn't say, like, say, man, I hope my dad cares. He just came running in yelling for me. And I got to hug him and embrace him and love on him because he's my son. Can I tell you that God wants to have that relationship with you? Later in the same chapter of Romans 8, you don't have to jump there. I'm just going to read it to you. Paul says this, For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing on this earth can separate you from the love of God. How do I know that? Because it was secured by the Spirit of God who defeated death. There's things that are certain in this life, right? Death and taxes. Um, Jesus paid his taxes, but then he defeated death. <laughs> And that means that our Jesus is stronger than anything on this earth. And that means nothing on this earth or in heaven can take away what you've received. And we know that because verse 16, Romans 8, 16, if you're still with me, say amen. Says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God. Adoption is legal. It's legally binding. This idea of bearing witness is also a legal idea. If someone brings charges against you that you know were false and you were with somebody, they would stand up and they would come to the stand and they would be a witness on your behalf, right? They would say, no, no, I was with them. I know they didn't burn that building down or whatever, right? Like, I, I was there. We have the receipts from the restaurant we were at. I'm their witness. Someone's like, oh, they're this, they're this. I saw them do this. They're, they're this. That person's going to stand up and say, no, I was with them. I know who they are and I know what they've done and not done. There's no way, because I was with them. I'm standing witness. I'm standing for them. I'm bearing witness. The Holy Spirit does this for us. When the enemy comes against you with lies, like, you aren't loved. You don't deserve love. How could God love you? What about the shame? You're a failure. You're broken. The Holy Spirit says, no, they're not. I am their witness. I know that they're loved because I'm here with them. You can say whatever you want, but it will not deny my presence and my place with them, which secures their witness. I testify to God's salvation. I testify to God's identity upon their life. I testify to God's relationship. This is a child of God. See, you aren't who the enemy says you are. You are who God says you are, and you are a son and daughter of God. Like, I don't know if I feel like I deserve that. Great, it will make you more grateful. If you feel like you deserve it, you're going to be really difficult to live with. Entitled Christians are some of the most painful 
perfect. Recognize that God just loves you so much because he's good. Okay, third thing. Third thing. You guys ready? Okay, okay. Third thing. Not only do we get identity and relationship, this one's pretty cool. We get an inheritance. What's up? <laughs> we get an inheritance. Romans 8, 17 says, if we're children, then heirs. Okay, look at these words that the Bible says, not the Josh translation, the Bible says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Band, you can come up. From the Romans all the way to the ancient days when people would adopt children, oftentimes people would adopt kids if they didn't have any heirs. And they're like, I don't want my so-and-so to get all my money, so I'm going to adopt somebody that's one of my servants or something and give it to them. But in every instance, whoever was adopted would have full status as a son and daughter, which means full inheritance. We have received an inheritance through the spirit of adoption. But what's interesting is that Paul specifies not only are we heirs, but we're co-heirs. Why does that matter? Well, because like if, uh, if you remember any of the Old Testament from, you know, forever ago, or you've seen any movie about ancient days, there's a hierarchy, right? Like medieval movies, they're always like killing each layer of prints so they can move up, right? It would be the same thing. The firstborn son gets all the money. The second gets whatever's left. But that's not what the Bible says we are. We're not the scraps. We are co-heirs. What does that mean? We're co-inheritors. That not only means God is incredibly serious that we are actually adopted. You don't make somebody an heir who you don't actually want around, right? <laughs> like you're going to get all of my stuff, but I don't really like you. But it means he's incredibly serious, but it means that we receive the inheritance of the kingdom. What does that mean? It means we receive eternal life and eternal union with God forever. Everybody who receives the spirit of, of adoption receives eternal life. He says, you're going you're gonna to suffer because people see me when they see you, and if they didn't like me, they're not going to like you. But you're also going to share in my glory. You're going to receive the inheritance of my glory. You're a child of God, so you know what you receive? Eternal life. Eternal life. Free from sin, shame, pain, suffering. Eternal life with the Most High God. Remember, sin is a chosen separation. I don't want to be with you, God. I don't want to live in a relationship, and He won't force you to. But salvation says, God, I want to walk in obedience with you. I want to live with you. And he says, great, not only now, but for eternity. I love this scripture because the answer to some of life's biggest questions are in the scripture. Like, who am I? <laughs> What's my identity? Am I loved? What really is love? What happens when I die? Where will I go? See, all of these are secured through the spirit of adoption through Christ Jesus. One of my favorite phrases is blood is thicker than water and we use that all the time people talk about family right yeah it's our family blood's thicker than water i'd be like what water a weird phrase what water is it thicker than i mean i understand like the viscosity <laughs> 
But the actual phrase is, and I've shared this here before, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's the phrase that's shortened to, blood is thicker than water. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That sounds a little different, almost the opposite, just so we're clear. <laughs> that's the spirit of adoption. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. The water of the womb is a powerful connection. Awesome, awesome thing that God has created, right? But the blood of the covenant is greater, it goes beyond. The blood of the covenant, meaning the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for you and I, so that no matter who we are, we are adopted in as spiritual sons and daughters, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from, no matter how you've lived, no matter the mistakes, no matter the shame that you feel is held over your life, you are an adopted full son and daughter of God, freed from all sin and shame. If you cry out to God and say, God, I surrender to you my heart, and I receive this morning the adoption as a son and daughter doesn't require works. It doesn't require proving. It just requires humility and surrender. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you stand with me this morning? I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes before the band leads us. We will in just a moment have a time of response. And every week we open the altar and God does incredible things. So if you need God to move in your life, then in just a moment, I'm going to have a space for just that. We open the altar and we invite people to come forward and just receive you and the Lord. Whether you want to kneel down here, worship. And we'll have people that will go around and they'll pray for you. And if you want prayer, you can talk to them and pray. And if not, just continue, continue praying. But this morning, some of you, you need God to do a miracle and move upon your life. You've tried to earn so much of salvation. You've tried to struggle against it. But before we get there, before we get to the altar, before we get to that moment of believing God's moving your life, there's a really crucial moment right now. And that's receiving the adoption that comes through Jesus Christ. And no matter who you are, matter your background or your choices, that Jesus Christ invites you into a loving relationship. And you've been trying to figure out if you're going to make that step, and you've been looking for a sign or evidence. The evidence is in your heart right now as the Holy Spirit stirs you to recognizing how much you need the love of Jesus and the security in your heart that says, someday, whether it's this moment when I walk out of this room, someday, when my life ends, my eternity begins, and I want to secure my eternity in Jesus Christ. I want to be sure of my eternity and a God who loves me. This is not about taking a chance on a religion. This is about beginning a relationship with a God who loves you so deeply that he gave his one and only son that if you surrender now, you receive eternal life. If that's you this morning and you want to make that step, every eye closed, every head bowed, you want to make that choice to follow Jesus with your life. Commit your heart to him and be adopted into his family this morning. Would you just do me a favor in person or online, every, head, uh, every eye closed, because I want you to make this decision. If you're here and you're ready to take that step, would you just lift your hand up and put it back down this morning? 
choose to follow Jesus with my life. Thank you. Can we all pray together? I know many of you have prayed these prayers, but we're going to affirm each other's faith in that step. Can we pray together? Would you repeat after me? Pray, Jesus, I give you my heart. I need you as my Lord and Savior. Make me new. Thank you for calling me your child. I give you everything. And receive new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate those decisions this morning? Amen. Amen. The band's going to lead us in a song that I really love. And it says, I am who you say I am. I am who the Lord says I am. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to open this altar space this morning, and I'm going to really encourage you. If you need God to move in your life in any way, shape, or form, related or unrelated to this morning, we want to believe with you. But I'm going to encourage you. It comes through movement. God moves with the movers. He moves with the movers. So I encourage you, if that's you, you need God to move in your life as the band plays. I'm just going to open the altar and invite you to come forward and receive. And we're going to pray for you this morning that God would do a move in your life in this place.